Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Meetups with Mediators, a podcast brought to you by the Columbus Bar Association. I'm your host, Veronica Cravener. This is a podcast for both mediators and attorneys who represent clients at mediation. The goal is to provide takeaways to help you make your next mediation your best mediation. Today's topic is eviction mediation. And my guest today is Shelly Whalen, the Executive Director of Community Mediation Services of Central Ohio. And I should also share for our listeners, um, I happen to be an alum of Community Mediation Services. I'm so thrilled that Shelly's here today. And I'll also share, share that Shelly, you were actually the one who um, taught me the skill of mediation. Uh, Shelly, if you, if you all are not familiar, Shelly's an excellent trainer of mediation and um, I, you know, I have to share with you, Shelly, that like the, the things that you taught me many, many years ago are still the same skills that I use today. So uh, I'm really excited that you're here on the show today, and I'm, I'm glad that we could reconnect and um, welcome to Meetups with Mediators. And, and like I said, thanks for being Thank here today. Thank you. Thanks. I'm glad to be with you. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I really wanted to have you on the show to talk about eviction mediation um, I think it's a topic that's very timely, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, the looming eviction crisis that we've heard about, um, you know, the eviction moratorium. And, you know, before we get into the nuts and bolts of CMS's eviction mediation program, I was just wondering if you could share with our listeners um, who might not be familiar with community mediation services, like, can you tell us a bit about the organization and, and the work that CMS does? Okay. So big picture, our agency has been, or private nonprofit located here in Columbus, um, been here for, it'll be 32 years um, on the 21st of February. So um, we've been here for a good while. We specialize in both um, mediating a variety of different kinds of disputes for folks here in the community. And then we also teach um, our mediation skills to professionals in the community. So we offer training that's um, co-sponsored by the Columbus Bar, as a matter of fact. And um, in both our basic mediation course, we have a one-day conflict resolution class and an eviction prevention half-day class, as a matter of fact, for um, professionals that may find themselves interfacing with with, uh, clients who are going through you know, an eviction situation. So um, on the mediation front, we, in addition to tenant landlord eviction related mediation, where we're gonna target today, um, we do a lot of domestic mediation, neighbor kinds of disputes and other family issues um, and some workplace disputes as well that we mediate. Well, great. And I'm glad to hear that um you know, the, the organization is, is, is able to, you know, mediate in so many different areas. Cause I know, you know, mediation, um, is such a valuable resource for folks. Absolutely. Well, can, can you tell us about the eviction mediation program? So I know, you know, you all have been doing eviction mediation, um, for many years. Can you tell us about that? Right. Yes, we've actually been doing tenant landlord eviction related mediation really since our inception way back in the day. But in 2011, 
we established a, a partnership with the Franklin County Municipal Court, um, which helped both broaden and deepen the capacity of our agency to, to help tenants and landlords. And that collaboration involves um, our mediators being available on site Monday through Friday, roughly nine to noon is when eviction cases are heard here in Franklin County. So we have about five mediators that are on site at eviction court daily, which is now being convened at the convention center during the COVID stuff. Um, we also have three additional mediators back here at home base that field um, phone calls from tenants and landlords around eviction issues prior to them, best case, prior to a case even being filed in eviction court. If we can help people work things out, we want to try and do that through shuttle diplomacy back and forth on the phone. And if it ends up with the eviction filed in court, then we help them, um, you know, we can help them on site on the day of the hearing as well down at the, at the courthouse. It's been a wild year in terms of activity. The good news is um, that um, emergency rental assistance has been great for both tenants and landlords. It's prevented evictions from occurring and um, some from being filed, but I would say more often than not, it's probably been of most assistance um, preventing the eviction from having to go through because the tenant was able to access emergency rent, pay the landlord and get the eviction dismissed. So like, for example, you know, if any of our listeners like have clients who are looking to access um, community mediations services, like what's the best way? Like, should they call first or, um, okay. So call um, first best is. Best case. Yeah. I would say that the earlier on the, at the earliest possible moment when um, either of the parties knows that an eviction is in the offing, um, 96% of the time, according to our stats, it's because of late or non-payment of rent by the tenant. So um, a tenant that knows they're going to be late can call us before they are, and we can help facilitate discussion between them and their landlord. If the landlord can see that a tenant has not paid their rent in a timely fashion, they don't have to wait um, to file an eviction before they can reach out to us. We encourage them to call us ASAP as soon as they see one of their tenants is in trouble. And then we'll, again, help facilitate the discussion to find out what the nature of the tenant situation is. Um, we do a lot of linking of tenants with emergency resources um, to help the tenant maintain the roof over their head and the landlord maintain their income stream. So the earliest, great. earliest possible moment, um, and we do get a good number of calls from people at, at the front end. Um, in addition to that, Veronica, as you, as I think you're probably well aware, but your listeners may not be, there's a postcard um, that the court about our, the availability of our mediation services that's inserted in every eviction summons that goes out to tenants here in Franklin County, encouraging them to call ASAP when they get that card. So if they haven't called us prior, um, hopefully they usually get that summons and that card about two weeks, roughly 10 business days before their court hearing. The tenant can reach out to us then, um, or again, the landlord can either one, pre-filing or post-filing. And we can work with them by telephone 
to try and help them work out an arrangement that can then be documented and filed with the court, um, you know, so that it becomes enforceable by the court. The mediated agreement can become enforceable when we document it and it gets filed. So it can be filed prior to the eviction hearing and or at the eviction hearing, whichever the parties prefer. Oh, okay. And can you talk a little bit about like, what are the types of arrangements that, you know, landlords and tenants on average are trying to work out? So the two major categories of, of agreement types are what we call pay and stay, where the tenant is able to enter a payment agreement with the landlord where they can get caught up on any back rent um, in return for which the landlord allows them continue to continue to occupy their current housing. Um, and um, this year, for example, I was just looking at our numbers, about 57%, um, our settlement rate was up this year too, and I think that emergency rental assistance probably helped, about 93% of all the cases we handled with tenants and landlords this year, a, a settlement agreement was reached. Of those, 57% were pay and stay. The second kind of agreement is a voluntary move out where the parties agree on um, a mutually acceptable timetable for the tenant to move from the premise, um, but it allows, it's prompt enough to satisfy the landlord, but it gives the tenant some breathing room so that they can secure alternative stable housing instead of end up ending up in a homeless shelter or on somebody's couch. Um, in the middle of a pandemic, not a great idea in a crowded household. So the remainder, yeah. you know, were voluntary move out. I guess that was going to be my next question too. You know, I'm just wondering, like, you know, from what your mediators are seeing, I mean, how is the pandemic impacting mediations? Like how is the pandemic impacting what people are or not able to agree to? Like, do you think, have you noticed the pandemic well, having an impact on eviction mediations? It's had both, um, you know, it, certainly lots of people have lost their jobs and their livelihoods because of the pandemic, which has caused them to not be able to pay their rent in a timely fashion. So it certainly increased the, you know, the, um, the likelihood that a tenant's going to get behind in their rent, um, especially when you're talking about people who were low income in many instances, not in all instances, but in many they were low income from the beginning, and then they got zapped with the loss of job or reduced hours. So I would say it's increased the number of people that are in danger, certainly, of, of being evicted that are getting behind. Um, offsetting that, however, was the availability of, as I say, 16 million plus in emergency rental assistance that became available in our community through the city, through the county, um, and through CARES Act money that came from the feds. So that was the good news. Ordinarily, there would not have been um, nearly that much emergency rental assistance historically would never be available in a given year. So the demand was great, but then the resources were much better too. So um, that I don't think the moratorium, we thought it would reduce not only the number of evictions, but we thought it might reduce filings. Um, initially, when it was first put in place, 
I think landlords, um, everybody was trying to get their sea legs in terms of understanding what the moratorium required of landlords as well as tenants. Um, but since it's been in place, it has not stopped the filings. Um, landlords are still filing when tenants get behind. Um, but like I say, when they do file, um, the good news is we're frequently able to clarify with the tenant how far they are behind and put the tenant in touch with emergency rental assistance and then document as a result of that assistance, put together an agreement that um, takes that help into account. And then if there's any residual debt, it spells out how that'll be handled by the tenant. Yeah, and that's great that your mediators are able to, to you know, help landlords and tenants, um, you know, get that sort of clarity in terms of steps moving forward. And I guess the other thing I was wondering too, I mean, you mentioned the eviction moratorium, like, do you think, have you noticed, you know, maybe landlords who maybe didn't participate in mediation um, in the past, have you noticed like landlords wanting to participate in the mediation more so because of the moratorium or do you think it's more like, or, or is it more that the availability have, of rental assistance has made the difference? Well, I think maybe all of the above. I think landlords, um, as they've gotten more and more familiar with what their responsibilities are under the moratorium and tenants are getting better educated themselves, um, it's, it's, it's made it necessary, more necessary in some instances for the parties to sit down. The, the landlord may be hamstrung a bit in terms of the speed with which they can expect to, you know, get an eviction ordered and a, and a set out to occur. So by virtue of them having been restricted in that regard, it's certainly motivated, I think, landlords to want to avail themselves within the confines that the moratorium has set. They certainly want to avail themselves of if the tenant's going to stay, how can they get the unpaid rent taken care of as quickly as possible. So we don't give tenants emergency rent, but we are facilitating, we're trying to facilitate their accessing those resources so that they can then use them in their um, the creation of a settlement proposal that we then can present to the landlord for their consideration. So um, the pandemic, like I say, it's had lots of downsides obviously, but in terms of the motivation, to negotiate and the helpful resources to help bolster the tenant's ability to get through this crazy time, it's helped in that respect, those, you know, those elements. And sort of to switch gears a little bit, one thing um, I thought was really impressive is uh, you were saying your mediators have a 93% um, settlement yeah. rate in terms of the mediations that they're doing. And so I'm curious on those few mediations where there is no agreement, um, what do you think the biggest challenge is? What's the biggest barrier at this point that you're seeing? Well, it, it tends to fall under one of a couple of different variables. Either the there's bad blood, if you will, between the tenant and the landlord. They've tangled previously um, around other issues. Either the tenant having um, too consistently, you know, not paying their rent in a timely fashion, and that gets to be frustrating for the landlord. 
So it, when it happens yet one more time, sometimes the landlord, you know, draws the line in the sand and says, nope, I, you know, they, if they're going to reach any agreement, they want it to be a move out. And in some instances, they're not willing to budge on the standard, um, the fewest number of days they are required to let the, the tenant stay under the law. Um, so they're just not interested in negotiating anything above and beyond that. Um, so, and the, you know, and sometimes there have been private, you know, prior um, disputes between them over other stuff like maintenance issues or um, unauthorized guests, alleged unauthorized guests by the tenant, which have frustrated the landlords, that kind of thing. Um, but that's typically what keeps them from being able to reach an agreement. And we are, frankly, we are seeing too, we're in an environment where the cost of housing is going through the roof. And so to the extent that you have a tenant that's paying a X amount of rent, and you know you can increase that rent significantly if you move that person out and another person in, it's entirely possible that could motivate a landlord to end a lease with one tenant and go to the next where they can increase the rent on their property. That's happened quite a bit over the course of this last couple of years in particular. So you mentioned like, like one of the things I really picked up on there was just how kind of what can become a barrier to folks working things out is um, just what you described as like bad blood, right? Like, like, negative history, I might take it like communications between mm. landlord and tenant. I mean, it seems like that's sort of a plug for kind of the trainings that you do, right? That are like, that are open to folks um, in terms of like, like personal conflict resolution and, and that sort of thing, right? Like just yeah. being able to use um, those skills proactively. Absolutely. We do, um, Veronica, which I, I did not mention, but the other thing that we do besides our tenant landlord mediation is we teach low-income tenants in the community. We provide a two-hour, well, it's a, an eviction prevention or housing stability-related training for them. We teach them about the 10 biggest mistakes that tenants make over and over again that end up getting them in the hot soup of a potential eviction in the first place. The name of our, our workshop is Facts versus Eviction, Facts versus the Myths. And all the tenants take a quiz at the end of that training to demonstrate, they have to score at least 80% or higher on the quiz um, to receive a certificate of completion, um, saying that they, they passed that. So it's a way of gaining some credibility with landlords in the future. If they pass that, there's no cost for the workshop. Um, and we'd love to get it in the hands. We're doing them now on Zoom, uh, where we were doing them on site in the community you know, all over the place prior to, to COVID, we're now doing them on Zoom. So, um, and we hear over and over again, we do them at the homeless shelters or have historically done them. And tenants will say, oh my God, if I'd known this, I wouldn't be here in this shelter if I had known this before I ended up getting evicted. So, um, and we follow up by the way, on everybody that we provide a mediation for or who goes through our training to see 12 months after the fact how they're doing 
And we follow up with mediation people by calling them and talking to them about the current state of their housing stability. And we find that um, 94% of the time, people we've worked with previously are in stable housing 12 months after the fact. And these are really, really low income poor people. So they're very high risk of eviction. And then the other thing that we do um, is we put their name in the court's database 12 months after the fact to see whether or not they've been involved in any subsequent eviction um, in that 12 month period. And when we do that 87% of the time, we find no subsequent eviction in the 12 month period after our intervention. So we feel like there is some lasting positive effect here, especially when you're talking about, like I say, the highest of the high risk uh, population for eviction. Yeah, and that, that stat is really impressive. So I think you said it was something like 87% of the folks when you enter their name into the court's website, like 12 months later, you're not seeing another eviction case filing pop That's up. Correct. So That's yeah, correct. so it sounds like, like, you know, the intervention from the CMS mediators, you know, is helping to get folks back onto a positive track. Um, Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so one thing I wanted to ask you about too is, so I know, you know, so we've, like I said at the beginning, we've, we've heard about the eviction crisis, um, you know, the moratorium, the, the pandemic. Um, I mean, so your mediators, are they all like, like staff members of the organization or like if there's someone out there, you know, who is interested in mediation and um, wants to volunteer, wants to help, like does CMS, is CMS able to accommodate volunteer mediators or, or is right there anything now, that folks can do? Yeah, all of our mediators, those folks at court as well as, as here at our shop are staff members. Okay. Um, they're people who make their living as mediators. They're full-time professional mediators or in some instances, part-time professional mediators. But um, during the pandemic, we have not gotten on, we have not gotten into taking on volunteers because it's, you know, the eviction court in and of itself, frankly, is a dicey, it's a very dicey environment. And we've been very blessed that our mediators, we've taken great steps to try and, you know, with masks and plexiglass and Right. you know, spraying everything and trying to keep distance between us and tenants and landlords when we're working with them, but it's a dicey environment. So we haven't been wanting to bring people into that setting. Um, so once that is no longer the case, we could very well be, you know, in a place where we could bring on some folks. If we're going to have volunteers, though, I will say, because the depth and scope of the training that people have to have kind of as a foundation. From my perspective anyway, for meaningful mediation, you really have to be pretty well versed in stuff. And <laughs> it takes people a good while to learn that um, so that they can be the best possible mediator. Um, so what we say is if people want to volunteer, it would just be, we would want them to be available on a pretty regular basis. That's the only way it would make uh, sense for them to go through the depth of the training that they would need, you know, an investment of their time and ours 
So, but we would certainly be open to it once this madness, you know, has has concluded. Maybe later this, I'm betting late summer, fall, if we're lucky. Sure, and I I totally understand that, and I um I remember doing like volunteer trainings with you, Shelley, and I remember yeah. like coming down to CMS a couple days a month, yeah. and we would spend like hours in that in that back room doing role plays and. Um, yeah, I think that's like the hardest thing about mediation is, you know, there, there's a lot of interest in it, right? Um, but it does, it takes a while to master that craft, right? It's not something like, you don't just take, you know, a 14 hour, 16 hour, however many hour basic training, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm ready to start mediating things by myself. Like it, it takes time. So yeah, um, and you yeah, know what I can totally doing, understand. Veronica, and I don't, we're, um, we started for that very reason, in addition to our classes, which are virtual now, again, our, our classes um, that are on our website are virtual now, we're doing them all by Zoom. Um, we're also doing a mediation, kind of our own internal certification process, where people who come through the class, but afterwards still feel like they need one-on-one -on -one coaching, and you know, they really need, feel like they need a, a bit of a deeper grasp beyond that 16-hour um, training is what ours currently is, our two-day. We do, I do, one-on-one -on -one coaching with okay. mediators at the conclusion of which we ask them to take both a written test and a performance evaluation test. Um, and if they score, again, 80% or higher, on, they have to score that on both. We give them, we're confident they know what they're doing. They understand the mediation model and how to apply it. And we give them our good housekeeping seal of approval, if you will, a letter that says they com successfully completed X amount of training as well as um, this testing. So, but you're right, just taking a course, um, it's hard to get really proficient um, even after you pass the test. Realistically, the way any of us get very good at it is by doing it and doing it and doing right, it. Right, 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 right. Well, and so, you know, how can others, others who are listening to this uh, podcast, um, how can they connect with you after today if they're wanting to continue the conversation? If they're interested in knowing more about um, our training or our, if they're a landlord, you know, council representing a landlord or tenants, um, they want to know more about our eviction, you can send an email. Probably the easiest thing to remember is info at communitymediation.com. So you can send an email about what the nature of your question or concern or interest is, and it will make its way um, to myself or the appropriate staff person, and we'll get back to follow up with you on whatever the level of interest is that you have. If you want to know more about our training, our training calendar and um, registration information is on our website at communitymediation.com. And as a matter of fact, we're going to a new registration platform. So it should be firmly in place by the end of next week. So I would encourage you might want to wait for a few days to go to our website and then the new registration platform will be in place and uh, so you can find out more about you know our services in general but our training calendar in particular well that's fantastic well you know shelly like i'm so thrilled um you know that we were able to to 
connect Absolutely. again. I'm so thrilled to hear that you know CMS is is continuing on um, you know, doing you know the eviction mediation work. I mean, I think that work is just is so valuable and has such positive impact for so many for so many people that you know, especially in light with what's going on um, today with the pandemic. Like, I'm happy to know that that um, CMS is there and, and and is available to help folks you know work out situations. Um, and I mean, I think it's been, has it been what, like maybe a decade <laughs> since, oh, since I was, no. oh man, it's, it's, I know while. when I say I've been here since the, the agency's inception going on 32 years ago, you know, it blows my mind yeah, <laughs> that, um, yeah. so, but like I say, we are delighted to be here and we're obviously, it's sad that the eviction issue is such a prevalent concern in this community, but thank God we have, you know, we have resources, at least currently, that are being made available to, to help both tenants and landlords weather this crazy time so we can get back to some semblance of normality. So I appreciate the, the opportunity to help get the word out. So, and if any of your people listening, if you have you know, either tenants or landlords, either one that would like to avail themselves of our assistance, please don't hesitate to reach out because our biggest challenge is, you know, we, we have a relatively, you know, we have a small staff relative to the number of people, you know, we're trying to serve and the different portals that people are coming to us through. So um, it's hard, you know, these opportunities are great to help get the word out. Well, hey, if any of you would like to get a hold of today's guest, Shelly Whalen, uh, the Executive Director of Community Mediation Services, you can reach her at the organization's website, which is www.communitymediation.com, or to email Shelly, uh, you can reach her at info at communitymediation.com. And that wraps up this episode of Meetups of Mediators. Let's make your next mediation your best mediation. Talk to you next time.